This episode is brought to you by Third Eye Cacao. We're so happy to have a brand new sponsor. We want you to support our sponsors because they make these shows possible. Third Eye Cacao is on a mission to preserve ceremonial grade cacao in the world and invite others on a journey from their head to their heart. Cacao is a fruit where chocolate comes from and is one of the most nutrient dense superfoods on the planet. It has been called the elixir of the gods for its ability to open up the heart. Studies have shown that the same endorphins that get released when you are falling in love for the first time, cacao has the power to induce also. It's like the best feeling in the world and cacao has that for you here at Third Eye Cacao. Overall, cacao has the powerful ability to begin any day with intention and ceremony. Use promo code TIMEWHEEL, that's T-I-M-E-W-H-E-E-L, at checkout and save 11% at thirdeyecacao.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. It is the underwear with the dual pouch system. One pouch for one part of the male anatomy, another for the other part of the male anatomy. Not only is the underwear the most comfortable underwear you'll ever wear, but it also has the most stylish designs and patterns. The fabrics actually have a cooling effect when you put them on for the very first time. Your body will thank you because it's one of the hottest parts of your body. So cooling it down with these special fabrics that Sheath provides is a nice experience. The proof is in the pudding. We have a 100% money back guarantee on the very first pair. If you don't like it, we'll send you your money back. Go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RPG and save 20%. We appreciate your support. Back to the show. Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheath. A Time Wheel Production. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. Thank you for coming today. And um, we have a very special guest, Blair White, very successful YouTuber. You've been on Joe Rogan, Tim Pool big accolades and you're here on my little podcast thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you so much for having me um so typically this podcast is about like success what it takes to get there mind states and um principles and things of that sort and you have kind of launched on the scene i guess it's been a long time coming i mean you've been working on it for a while and as everyone knows nothing happens overnight but Can you talk tell you know talk about your story and like how you are have gotten to where you are, you know, and like kind of the mind state principles? Yeah, for sure. So I've been doing YouTube for about six years now, and I really stumbled into it. I had no idea that this was gonna be what I was doing for a living. I was actually in college for computer science at the time that I started my channel. Nice. But I ha- I was 
growing frustrated with the kind of extreme liberal bias on my college campus. And I didn't agree with a lot of my peers, with a lot of my professors. And I definitely felt the weight of being outcasted ideologically. So for people that don't know, um, on my channel, I talk about social issues, political topics, and trans issues from the perspective of someone who is center right wing. And um, so I didn't align with people on my college campus, obviously. And um, I thought, you know what, if I can't really speak out on my college campus without, you know, extreme backlash and without, you know, my professors failing me, which did happen on occasion because of my views, um, then I'll take to the internet and I'll make a video and just talk about my views. So I did that and I thought maybe seven people would watch it for being my family members. <laughs> yeah, totally. And um, I woke up the next day and the video was posted on all these different websites and it had thousands of views and, and everything's just really snowballed since then. And wow. I'm loving yeah. That was your it, very it was first very, video? Yeah, it was very instant um, and I can't, can't explain why. I mean, well, I guess um, anytime you do something that's never been done before, that kind of can happen. So there aren't any other trans people really saying the things I say on my channel. So I think that filling that niche unknowingly and unintentionally was a big thing that um, blew me up pretty quick. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it reminds me, I'm reading this book called The Alchemist, and it says that when someone wants something bad enough, the universe conspires with them to make it kind of happen. Or also, it mentions beginner's luck, and everyone's probably um, experienced beginner's luck, but it probably hasn't been like a trajectory, well, maybe a little bit. Some people have a straight, straight up trajectory, but I'm assuming you've come into some challenges just like being honest today can be a challenging you know and risky it seems like just yeah. say, saying what you feel i mean and, and not being able to do so in a school setting where you are supposed to be developing and kind of finding your own opinions and then being having backlash but you having a youtube channel to express your views I think that's beautiful and it's definitely it's kind of like what i do here and we actually switched from the sheath channel to my own channel just so that i could be a little bit more open about saying just my feelings or whatever i don't have that radical of viewpoints on anything i'm pretty open-minded yeah. and just um treat each individual as an individual um it was just, it was a baby. You used to be a baby and now you're all grown up. We're all trying to figure it out as yeah. we go, you know? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But it's interesting because it doesn't actually even take radical views these days to really upset people. I think that just, um, you know, not towing whatever line you're expected to tow causes a prop causes problems for a lot of people. And so um, that's one of the things I've really had to learn is like, I feel like I could say the most, you know, neutral common sense thing. I feel like I could say the sky is blue and there's going to be at least five people that are like Blair White's an evil person for thinking the sky is blue. It's clearly magenta, purple, and orange, you know? So it's interesting, but again, it's like, I never want to sound like I'm, you know, having a pity party over it because at the end of the day, it's like doing what I do really is a dream job for so many people. The ability to just like sit and talk and make a living off that, that's, I still don't even know how I ended up doing this, but I'm very thankful. That's awesome. I love, yeah. I love the attitude about the gratitude. You know, that's one of the principles of success is being grateful, 
you know, you don't, if you're walking around all pissed off and bitter, you know, nobody's even going to want to do business with you probably for one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, 100%. And, have, and then just like the universe kind of rewards if you, you know, like if you don't, if you're not grateful for what I'm giving you now or what, you know, like I'm not going to give you more type thing. I mean, these are in books that I read that kind of intimate there's a magical aspect to life and the mind has a huge role in manifestation. You know, obviously you have to do the work, but do you have any opinions on that? I I fully believe in that. Um, it's interesting because, you know, those little school projects you do as a kid where the teachers will ask you maybe like, talk about what you think you're going to be when you grow up. And, and I remember like one assignment, I think it was like first grade, there was like a, a poster we had to make and it had to be indicative of like all the things we were going to be. So if someone wanted to be a doctor, you know, the kids would put like a picture of a, a stethoscope or like a, you know, a scalpel, maybe, maybe not a scalpel at that age, but you know. Um, <laughs> and um, I remember in first grade, it sounds weird, but I put like famous, I put pop star, I put um, magazines, I put being known. And that's not something that as I got older, I wanted. Um, and I didn't start my channel because I wanted that. I, I didn't expect that. But it's interesting that I was possibly laying some groundwork, even in first grade, as far as manifesting what my reality would be. Not saying I'm Jennifer Lopez over here, but, you know, I'm far from a private citizen at this point as well. Um, so, yeah, I fully believe that you, you, you pave your way and whether it's like unintentionally manifesting things, if you're a very negative person yes. and, you know, maybe you're, you're sitting there saying, oh, when I'm older, I don't know, maybe I'll be, you know, in jail or I'll, my, I'll be alone or I won't have a husband or something. That's yes. probably going to happen for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I did the, the project when I was in, in, in uh, fifth grade and it was, you know, like career day. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I, put on a suit and tie, whatever I could kind of grab out of my closet. I had a big shirt and a big jacket and a goofy tie, but I put it on because I wanted to be the president of a company one day. And there you <laughs> I, mean, go. I don't know. Is it subconscious? Are we, is it an omen? Who? I mean, I'm not sure, but I de I'm definitely feeling blessed and, and loving the ability to have these conversations. Like I've had, malice michael malice on and uh that's amazing i was actually just at his house uh this past weekend in austin i didn't get to come visit you or whatever but it was a real quick we just went like straight in to see him and we were out of his apartment probably or condo whatever it's called in like 45 minutes but yeah he told me yeah he's, he's great he has become one of like my best friends for sure um we moved to austin on the same day september 1st wow. and we never met in person um but we were kind of like online acquaintances i guess mm -hmm. and every once in a while we would tap in and say hey or whatever but um yeah we just got super close super fast he's a really really cool person isn't he he's so yeah. like he's such a great guy uh, and ever the intellectual, which I love having, you know, such a like genius kind of working with us because you can't really question his intellect. So if he says Chief is good, Chief is good. <laughs> 100%. I, like, um, 
we did a sponsorship as well for my channel with Sheath. And but before that, I my my reference for Sheath was just Michael saying how amazing it was. So I mean, I just believed it. And then I got the yeah. product and then I saw that it was, but you know, I believe it just because you said it. So he's very persuasive. He's the best. And we're gonna send you some more, not to get on that, but I think we sent you some stuff like Christmas underwear and, and we were sold out of some of the other stuff which we've gotten more of. Oh, so cool. We'll get you all the latest and greatest and the old school that we were sold out of. But oh, awesome! As, yeah, I um, definitely appreciate working with you on that. That was a great video. If you haven't checked out the YouTube video she did with us, it was about um, the Doctor Phil episode with the <laughs> Battle of the Beards. Uh... <laughs> I don't know what possessed me to put that in the thumbnail, but it made sense. It I made loved it. Sense. It was perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so. A lot of areas to go and a lot of directions. But while we're on the Dr. Phil thing, I guess you went you you went on and like recorded a episode, but then they didn't air it. Yeah. So back in I believe August, um, they had me on the show, and it was a good experience. I walked away from it thinking, oh, this is super cool. You know, the topic was trans issues and um, kind of like my personal story and, and blah, blah, blah. They tried to get my family to come on. My family did not want to come on. I'm very grateful they didn't because I think that that is just a recipe for who knows what. Um, like maybe some drama. That's probably maybe that's right. what they're trying to instill or. Exactly. Create. Which is great for them, but probably not so great for me. Uh, yeah. And um, long story short, the weeks were going by and it never aired. And so I was like, what is going on? But the producer reached out to me and said that um, they gave me some lame excuse, like it was for legal reasons or just some some excuse. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, you know, the trans topic is such a, a heated topic and it's so divisive and it's so political when in my opinion it shouldn't be, but it is. And so I think that um, what I gave them wasn't that. I gave them very much like, the real, like real life, like this is what it is. It's it's not what far leftists say it is. It's not what far writers say it is. It's something in the middle. Um, but that doesn't sell as well as putting, you know, a, a crazy trans activist with a beard and an, an extreme on the other end, Matt Walsh. So that is what's going to sell. So it makes sense to me. Um, I don't have any grudge against Dr. Phil himself. I think Dr. Phil is actually really great. Um, I just think the show, like any show, is about ratings. And Absolutely. Um, and if I'm not fighting anyone, is there really going to be as good of a ratings as a fight? Probably not. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it could have, like, just your name and popularity might have gotten some new viewers to watch the show. And, you know, because your point of view does not typically get expressed on mainstream media. Yeah. Right. And I think that might maybe have something to do with it. And it might, like, be like, well, she's not crazy or she's yeah. pretty normal and pretty reasonable. Like, What's all the fuss about? And then yeah, I'm not coming on saying like all white people are evil, so they probably didn't want me on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as a mostly, I guess, white man, <laughs> I, uh, appreciate. Well, that's a whole other kind of topic. And like, oh, you're a victim. You're a white male. Poor you, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, it and like this started years ago you know it's been years in the making and i was like just noticing as i'm walking around the streets like less and less like i'm a kind of privileged type of a person but more like invisible i felt like i was invisible i was like what the fuck is going on like i'm i'm i have a business i'm like trying to do something and yet getting no respect over here 
But uh, that's what I always wonder about. I would love to ask you about that because I mean, it's not about saying that you or white men are victims, obviously, but it is about saying like there clearly is an ideological like assault on white men. It's clearly, you know, the only group of people that it's acceptable to write crazy headlines about. You know, there's a trailer for a movie recently that came out. I forget the name, but the whole concept is like why white people suck, basically. And it has like all these I forget what it's called. It's like everything will be all white or something like that. That's kind of clever, I guess. Yeah, it, it's a good title, but it was just interesting. I felt like I was watching it, um, like, and I was kind of just like, whoa, it's so crazy. They're just allowed to say all this crazy shit about, about white people. I mean, so I'll keep it real here. I mean, yeah. And like, I felt, I, I was feeling like a victim. I was like, and, but you can't, I couldn't really say that. And, and, I'll be say it again. I'll be honest. Like Joe Rogan kind of helped me with that. He was kind of just like, quit being a bitch, quit being a pussy, like be a man. Like nobody is going to respect you if you're kind of like wallowing in self pity or whatever. And these incels kind of, kind of came up in my mind and I, maybe I was one of them. I mean, it was like seven years I was alone and just kind of working on sheath and going to school and focusing, but like, no girls looked at me like ever and it was like this is weird i felt so invisible um but i mean and then so eventually she starts becoming successful my you know i heard that thing from rogan maybe it came right at the right time um confidence grew started doing more things like just kind of shit that he does fucking ice baths uh float tank, jujitsu, and and slowly but surely, I um, just grew confidence, started going on dates, and then ultimately I met my wife at a at a bar for, like, uh, small businesses. Do you ever go to meetups, or did you back in the day when – do you want do you know what a meetup is? Meetups, like, like, telling, like, my supporters to, like, meet me somewhere or what? Yeah, well, that's a, there was an app called Meetup, and you would oh. – you would do like these get social gatherings, like if you're into meditating or business socials or, you know, and meet at a bar and um, it kind of died out during COVID, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I never did that. I never did that. But it's, it's interesting that you say that you kind of modeled like the path to happiness after Rogan, because I think that that's so much of why he is so beloved because there just aren't, at least from my perspective, there aren't a lot of like role models out there that are public figures for just like straight men Mm -hmm. and not that only straight men find him inspiring, whatever I do in my own way as well. And in different ways than you, obviously, but you know, I do as well. Um, And it's, it's just so interesting to see like how the corporate media is attacking him so viciously. And it's like, they couldn't have picked a worse target because you're sitting here, you know, kind of emotionally explaining like how much he helped your life. And it's like, that's the person who they're going to attack, who has done that for millions of other people other than you. It's like, what a horrible target to pick, you know? Yeah, that was not a wise move, I don't think. And um, he definitely is a role model. And he's handling all of this well. And it's all about just like being honest. I think that's another thing. I was going to say the other role model that's really great that I love is, is Jordan Peterson, who is also you know, not widely accepted by the Yeah, mainstream. but it's interesting, right? It's like, 
when I hear people like Jordan or Joe, it's like, obviously they're very popular, but there is this this wall that's been placed between them and mainstream media, probably more so with Jordan because Joe Rogan does have like prior sort of mainstream yeah. fame with Fear Factor and obviously he does the UFC and whatever. But um, it's like, I've never heard either of them say anything that warrants this sort of like push to like make them radioactive, right? It's like, there's this push to make them like, oh, don't go near them because they're radioactive and, and, and it's, these views are not acceptable. And it's like, I don't find the views of like most people on CNN or mainstream media acceptable. I think the shit they teach, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't curse on here. No, go ahead. I think, okay. I think the shit they preach and teach is um, detrimental to people in large part. And so it's just, it's just crazy because it, sometimes it feels like there's this intentional, like degrading of the quality of life for people in this country. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're only going to put on role models that are preaching things that we know statistically cause negative outcomes, for people's happiness. And then the people that are saying though, these are the steps to becoming happy and successful. We're going to make them radioactive. We're going to, we're going to, you know, ban them, censor them, et cetera. It's like, what is this assault on like the quality of life for Americans and where is it coming from? That's what I always think about. I think it's an experiment that our overlords are playing on us and they're like, we're little ants in a farm and they're messing, fucking with the uh, food supplies or whatever, like just tinkering to see what would happen while they eat popcorn and laugh. Number one. Number two, um, you were saying, you know, like the mainstream left media and they're like harmful kind of ideas or whatever. I was just watching a YouTube video this morning on, and it had a segment of with the morning Joe dude, morning Joe, his name, Joe, or whatever his last name is. And he was like, if I, if I was, you know, president Trudeau or whatever, prime minister Trudeau, I would have had those people, uh, arrested within hours. You know, I would have had a stick at their window saying you either move or you're coming with me. Like, kind of taunting him to like you know violence to yeah. to get his way and like giddy about it he was like excited like i would fuck them up you know and they're yeah. fighting for freedom like and i was and i, I kind of want to get your point and maybe it's played out maybe it's not but on this whole like justin trudeau and the canadian truck and freedom no yeah it's 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 terrifying i mean on on a on a personal level i'm obviously very inspired by the truckers. And I think mm -hmm. that, um, you know, my, my only wish is that it came a little sooner because it did come at the point where, you know, I mean, when we can talk about COVID for days, but um, it's, it's my perspective that um, COVID has been used as an excuse to usher in unprecedented government control over people's lives. And, and it's been going on now for, for two years, almost exactly. And um, I would have wished that a movement like that would have came a little sooner, but I'm glad it's here. Mm -hmm. um, and it is fascinating and mm -hmm. really dark to see, like you said, these talking heads sort of like encouraging Trudeau to enact violence and, and Trudeau is freezing their bank accounts, which is like some third world dictator stuff. Oh my God. It's um, frightening. It's, it's disgusting. And mm -hmm. the fact that that's now the precedent is what's terrifying, but it's like, okay, so these guys are in trucks and the most damaging thing they're doing is honking. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, here in America, we had every major American city on fire for about two months in the summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. And um, anyone even suggesting that that should stop was demonized. So mm. I'm not understanding the demonization of these truckers when 
you know, I was living in Los Angeles during the 2020 riots and um, it was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. And I'm a pretty brave person, but to see like your city on fire and curfews enacted and I, I had to escape the city and, and go to the mountains for weeks because wow. it wasn't safe to even be, you know, I lived right in the middle of Hollywood and there was 30,000 people on the streets and it was chaos and it was people in masks and it, not even COVID masks. I'm talking like hide your identity masks to enact violence. Wow. Um, it was bad. And, and there's a unique perspective from people I think that lived in New York and LA on how bad those riots were. Cause those were the, they were the worst there and probably Seattle as well. Um, but, you know, again, you were demonized for saying that that was maybe a bad thing, but these truckers are, are having their bank accounts freezed, whereas the rioters here were bailed out by our current vice president. So I think you're absolutely right that there are some people really tinkering with things and just seeing how much insanity they can inject into, like, the cultural zeitgeist and how much chaos they can create and what that will cause. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the end game is like maybe less of a population but then you have elon musk which i don't think he's in their group um but because he's saying like we don't have enough people which i found odd i've never heard anyone say there's not enough people yeah. although i guess china is coming up on a on an issue where they didn't have enough kids and, and their workforce is going to be like super old but uh you know, so is it less? Do they want less people? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's scary. And I, I agree that I think Elon is out of that sort of group of people because especially lately he's been saying a lot of stuff that's very counter, you know, narrative to what the regime wants. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what the mainstream media wants. And um, I think that one thing that I always think about is sometimes I think that, we look towards politicians as being the enemy, which I do I do believe they are on both right and left. And I think Absolutely. that they do a ton of damage, but I think that even above them is the mainstream media. And I think the mainstream media actually holds these politicians feet to the fire in terms of doing what they want. So it's like, yeah. you know, in his heart of hearts, I think of like, you know, Gavin Newsom in California, governor mm -hmm. of California, I think like, okay, so, in his logical mind, he has to see that the mandates, the restrictions, the um, the power grab that he's you know taken isn't actually making positive change in terms of COVID or bringing the numbers down. You compare them to states like Florida, where you know DeSantis has effectively had no restrictions for the entirety of the pandemic, and it's like. Newsom has to look at that and be like, okay, but I think what's holding him to it is the mainstream media who will demonize anyone who says lockdowns are the enemy or, you know, we have to get rid of mandates and, you know, so I think the media is so much more of the problem than even these corrupt politicians who are admittedly a huge problem. I think that the CIA has infiltrated CNN and they're like, and that too. See, well, it's so good because otherwise they, they're, cause it's such a concerted effort towards this agenda that you would think that it is almost like military style um, and having like there, they were supposed to be that like the free press, like whatever it's a second or whatever amendment it is, was supposed to hold, you know, the uh, politicians accountable for their actions, not coerce them into yes. their agenda, which they have the power. Like the media has the power obviously, or, but it's slipping. Is it? I think that it is, and that's definitely the optimist in me saying that because, I mean, even though obviously 
people like Joe Rogan are getting absolutely hammered as far as like the hate and the coordinated assaults on his character. And, you know, they're trying to take him down. But I think the fact that it didn't work, or at least it hasn't so far, knock on wood, right. I think is a really good sign. I think that um, the more that they show their hand, the media, and the more that they sort of put out these ridiculous takes, um, I think that more and more people are seeing through it. It's not enough people. Unfortunately, there are still such a huge swath of the population that the entire like um, perspective in which they see the world and 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 world events and and how they should view politics and, 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 and policy is completely seen through the lens of like, what did CNN tell me to believe? And there's this weird thing that when someone is told what to believe, a lot of people, the first thing they're told to believe, that's what it is. And they won't change it without, some of them will never change it. And some of them won't change it without massive persuasion, massive proof presented to them. So it's, it's, it's scary how easily people are controlled. And, and I'll even say like, to an extent, I understand that as a public figure with a large audience, I'm fully aware of how easily I can influence people who follow me, you know, um, and it's a scary power to have. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that that have that power that don't use it responsibly. Yeah, it gets to their head. Maybe it gets a little get a little drunk off of it and see what they can yeah, I mean they had that. They had they had every major city in America burning all summer of 2020. Um, like that's the power they have that they can inject this, you know, these false narratives about police brutality and African Americans, and suddenly the entire country's on fire. That's power, and that's 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 mind control, really. I mean that quote comes to mind from Chris Cuomo, where he's like, "Who said the protests are supposed to be peaceful?" <laughs> I mean, I think right. it's in the fucking constitution or something like. <laughs> pretty it's sure it's in the constitution pretty sure that was kind of the one of the hallmarks of like a protest but you know when yeah it's, when it, it's convenient for them and politically exactly. convenient for them it's it's all okay it's fucking bonkers <laughs> it's, it's crazy yeah and i'll i'll i'm just like i can't i could not like you have to if you have a gut feeling like if you have a like an open mind and you're sort of like instinctual and you're watching like some of these news programs, MSNBC, CNN, et cetera. And you, and it's not like turning your stomach. You, I, I think you're not fully connected with reality or, or just not really. Yeah. You, you're so busy. You're working, you're trying to pay the bills. You're trying to take care of your family or whatever. And maybe you grew up in that, as a Democrat and you've always watched them. And so you just trusted them, the most trusted name in news. And now, and so they've never steered you wrong before. So maybe I'm trying to give them kind of credit for their yeah. like ing ignorant or whatever the word. Would it be. is ignorance. I'll totally yeah, use yeah. that word. And then also I think that a lot of people we're at this weird point in history where even though we have so many things to complain about and there's so much corruption and there's so much, you know, dark things happening in the world. We're also living in the most privileged time in the world. It's, it's the best time to be a human, right? And I think that a lot of people have lived just very charmed lives to the point where like they haven't been lied to. Like they don't recognize a liar because they haven't really been lied to to their face. They're not used to it. They don't, they don't have a concept of like, why would the TV be lying to me? And to me, it seems like common sense, especially because I'm, you know, to an extent in the entertainment industry, you know, YouTube, I think is a part of that. And, 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 I've, and I've done television and I've done 
so many things. And so I, I understand how things are manipulated, especially when you're someone who, you know, a very good example. So when I did a, um, a YouTube video explaining why my Dr. Phil episode wasn't airing, um, you know, I did the video and, and I, and I, and I put the truth as I saw it out there. And I, and I, I said, I had no beef with Dr. Phil. That was a very important thing I made to say was I have no beef with Dr. Phil woke up the next day, daily mail, front page of Snapchat app was, you know, dramatic headlines about how there was this beef between Dr. Phil and, and trans conservative Blair White. And I'm like, I literally said in the video, there's no beef, but that's what the media does. They, they, they um, blow things up, they misrepresent things and it's all about clicks. But for some reason, people have not caught on to that yet. Um, so we'll see how long they can do that. I mean, the proof is also in the pudding. We have to remember that Ratings for these networks are so, so, so low right now. Um, you know, so that's positive and yes. probably an indicator that, that they're dying out, which is why, you know, you make the most noise when you're on your way out, right? So they're trying to take Joe down and they're attacking other people in independent media because they have to. One thing I was thinking this morning that I thought was interesting is, I, mean, I was kind of sitting in front of my fire, you have the fire going behind you and I was every morning I get up and meditate and read and um, I was kind of thinking about how like blessed my life is and I started thinking about how uh, so many businesses are sort of kind of not opening due to staff shortages yeah do you guys is that an issue in Austin um it kind of is and you know it's also I'm really noticing the supply chain issues like so the other day i was in it's kind of a different thing but the other day i was in the nike store and i was just looking for shoes and i was like why aren't there shoes in the nike store yeah like all the shelves were scattered i mean there were a few but like all these stores you go and things are just kind of bad right now for retail and mm -hmm. um you know in california was probably the worst because i know austin in Texas in general, like was pretty brief on like the, the full lockdowns of like, True. you can't open your business. But when I was living in Los Angeles, cause I only moved here in September, um, you know, I knew so many people that put their, you know, blood, sweat and tears, obviously, I don't have to even tell you how hard it is to start a business, um, into having a business. And you think of the rent it costs to even have a building with a business in Los Angeles. There are streets that aren't even the most popular streets where it's, 35k a month easily just to have a, the building itself there wow. um and uh the government went back and forth so many times and imposed so many crazy restrictions that we know now never even saved lives or affected things in a positive way and um i can't imagine being a business owner right now in a traditional sense at least right yeah we were fortunate a lot of online like amazon type companies were fortunate but um you know and i i know uh, quite a few Everyone, all my other friends have physical locations and they were struggling. They took the loans, though, some of them, and that kind of helped them get by. Although I can't imagine a 35K rent. Um, yeah. Eh, so, but like a lot of people aren't working though. And it's just like, how are, how are you getting by? Do you, are you a YouTube star or something? Like, because. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, and I was going to ask you, and I, I know now because you already said, like, this is, you you know, your YouTube, I guess, is your primary source of income or whatever, you're, you're, you know, ad yeah. advertisers and 
Yeah. So I, I do YouTube and, and, you know, that I also obviously have like an Instagram following and stuff like that. So that comes with endorsements and, and you get paid per view on YouTube as well. And luckily I do very well with views and do live events and, um, it, it's, it, I'm definitely considering myself to be an entrepreneur and I have very diverse streams of income, which I think is very important. Yes. Um, but yeah, in terms of being like an actual, you know, employee and stuff like that like i've noticed like people just aren't working and that's one of the like really i would say predictable sort of results of, of the pandemic and telling people they should stay home for for months to a year to two years on end um and it was interesting like while it was happening the lockdowns and and people not going to work and businesses shut down it's like there was this huge denial in the mainstream media that that would be you know in effect of everything that people wouldn't want to go back to work and it's like it seems such common sense. It's like at the end of the day, there are a lot of lazy people out there. And, you know, if they get accustomed all of a sudden to not working, it's like, why would they want to go back? So, um, you know, it sucks. And, and it definitely, you notice it in hotels a lot. Like when yeah. you travel, it's like, there's no room service anymore. And um, there's no one to like bring stuff up for you. And it, it's, it's, it sucks. And I think it's going to be like that for a while, unfortunately, because the ultimate excuse for not working or not being social or doing anything is COVID now. And people are going to use that as long as they possibly can. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I, someone I like, that was a thing. Someone I know got COVID and I, so I, I, I might be exposed so I can't even yeah. come in. Uh, well, you know, um, this is supposed to be about like success and stuff, but, and we, we talk about success from time to time, but what, what that made me think of is, and these are immigrants. And, and immigrants have the right kind of mentality to make it in America, typically, which yeah. is work your ass off and fucking what else? And, uh, and you know, there's, I've, I, I, I'm, I've always been a conservative slash kind of like um, the middle one, like independent, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was kind of, you know, like I would always watch Fox and like, you know, they demonize sort of immigration from Mexico and stuff like that. And I was kind of like, yeah, maybe you can't just let everyone in. And granted, you can't just let everyone in. But if we let enough come in to fill these little holes in the system for these jobs, you know, um, and then the, you know, that's more competition in the workforce. It will kind of, I mean, and this isn't what people want. It would drive wages down a little bit probably, which I wouldn't complain about too much personally, but I like to pay my people well. So that's not yeah. even an issue for me. Um, but like the, the people won't work for like less than 20 bucks an hour for like basic shit. Yeah. Like basic shit, like labor, like help me move, you know, pick up, leaves in my yard and you know you got to pay top dollar well there's an entitlement issue in this country first of all and you're absolutely right that the most successful people i know now that i'm kind of rocking my brain of who do i know that's an immigrant who do i know that wasn't born in this country the most successful people i know are people that were not born in this country and that came from countries with severe lack of opportunity and so when they come here they're obviously very hungry for it and they're gonna you know get there because that's what they're coming here for um, my, one of my best friends on the planet is, uh, my friend JC Monjue. He was on, um, the reality show, Big Brother. Some mm-hmm. people might know him, but he, um, grew up in Cuba, which obviously 
is a very different way to grow up than growing up here. And so I have learned so much from him about what it's like to grow up in a communist country. Obviously, I can only hear stories and, and try to relate or try to understand it. I'm sure it's 20 times worse than anything he could articulate to me. But um, but he also was one of the hardest workers I know because when when you grow up in a place where no matter how hard you work, there's no upward trajectory for you. When you live somewhere where, you know, say what you will about America, but the sky really is the limit here still, amazingly. Um, you know, it makes all the difference for these people. Exactly. Uh, you don't want to be equal. I don't want to be equal to anybody. No. If we're all no. equal, then what? Like, I want to be ahead of you. I want to be better. 100%. And and, and I, I feel that way as well. It's like, I, I, I do believe that on a, on a sort of like, how do I describe it? On a sort of like human level, I don't feel like I'm better than anyone. I feel like we all put our like, you know, pants on one leg at a time. Like I don't have, but at the same time, there is such a thing as working harder. There is such a thing as being more successful. There is such a thing as providing more value to people around you. And I think that's a very healthy mindset to want to be one of those people. Like I I don't want to leech off of my friends or my family that I'm around. I want to provide value to them and I want them to appreciate it. And I want to accept the value they're, you know, providing to me. Uh, So yeah, the idea that that's another very toxic sort of ideological shift that's happened in American culture in recent years is this idea that everyone's equal, that no one's better than anyone else, or, you know, that it's not important to want to make money. And it's like, well, it is. And I don't think you're getting rid of that anytime soon. I think that what it's really going to do is just cause, like, the more we push that narrative, it's just going to cause greater class difference because there's always going to be people that want to work. There's always going to want to be people that rise to the top. There's always going to want to be the crab that tries to get out of the bucket. And there's also going to be the crabs that want to latch on and not let you out. Mm-hmm. But all it's going to do is highlight the differences even more in terms of like wealth disparity. And, um, but that makes sense, right? Because the places where that ideology is the most present, that far leftist ideology, you look at those cities where they're completely Democrat run and, and you know, in Democrat states. And the wealth disparity that you see in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in these blue cities is extreme. You know, you you go both ends of the spectrum, yeah. like the pendulum. Yeah, yeah, and 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 obviously, I I believe in entrepreneurship and capitalism and all that. And but it's interesting how these these leftist elites are really convincing people that that is the enemy while they're engaging in it and engaging in it to great success. And you start to see their scheme when you understand they're gaslighting, you know, the general population to shift towards this communist view of of how things should run, but they're engaging in capitalism hardcore. It's like, well, what do you think they're doing? (laughs) They're getting rid of the competition. You know, like if, if nobody else is striving for greatness, you know, then they have, they get to collect all the honey. Cause I, I, you know, like Trump is toxic or whatever, but when I, before he was president, I wanted to be on the apprentice. I want, I, there were songs about all my Donald Trump shit, whatever, by Mm -hmm. Mac Miller. And he was, there's hope that one day I'll be the dude with the golden golden toilet or, you know, living at the top of the skyscraper with the helicopters and all that. And if you take that away, the hope of being the man or whatever, the you know, the man, whatever that's called, you know, you don't know talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um, then people aren't going to work. People are going to be like, why try? Cause then I can just chill on the beach 
Yeah. And I, and I do think that there is, um, I fully agree with you. I just also think that there is a place to, to understand that not everyone sort of wants that. Mm -hmm. I think there are so many people that live very simple lives and they're comfortable with that. Like I have people in my family who have never left the small town I grew up in. They are very comfortable with sort of their, I'm not saying this to sound mean or judgy, but mediocre jobs, you know, like working a minimum wage job or just being like a, a high school teacher or something. And, and that's great for them. And we need those people. But 100%. I think that, but I think the idea that like, we should demonize people who engage in capitalism or seek out success or, or try to climb the ladder. It's like, well, what was the promise of this country? If not that, you know, it's like, that is what it is to, to be an American. And that's why so many people move here. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a unique perspective also being that I was in the military and if you want to be in a socialist like system, that kind of is closest thing we have where you can't get fired really unless it's a huge process to get fired um everybody's pretty much equal as long as you're at the uh, of the same rank you get the same pay you know if you work harder you don't get any kind of extra anything you just work you work harder and it was more like for the respect of your peers which again is a important factor in my like kind of my own ambition i guess to, it's not it's it's not all about the money it's like i want it sounds bad but like people to respect me i guess that's and, not bad at all that doesn't sound yeah, bad in any way yeah and but also and i want to like then i want to give back what i've learned over the years to people and show them like because i'm the epitome of average i've said that a thousand times and um yet i've made kind of made it to an extent and uh, if I can do it, my point is that, you know, like anybody could do it. A huge influence at one point in my life was Gary Vaynerchuk. Have you heard of him? I haven't. No? Gary no. V? He, he did the, the, the Daily V. He's like, he's been on Rogan. He's, uh, he, but now he's like a motivational kind of guru speaker dude. Okay. Um, and well, and, he, and, and what he did for me was help me get over my fear of doing this like even going live on facebook for the first time i was like staring at you know deer staring the headlights like Ooh. did yeah. you ever have any any like when you did um, your first video was were you just like natural or what it's really weird to say and i don't know what kind of a statement it tells about me but like i never had <laughs> never had that fear That's awesome. i was yeah, I, I think like growing up, I never did like public speaking events. And so I think like I was a little scared of that maybe because there is a difference between talking to like a screen and talking to hundreds or thousands of people. Right. But even that, once I finally did it, I didn't have any fear of that either. I don't know. I think I just love communicating with people and 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 being seen. And, and I don't know if that maybe comes across as like, narcissistic any, in any way, but I feel like this is just what I was like meant to do. I don't, okay. I don't really know what else I would be doing if not communicating to people. And when I break down exactly what I do, it just comes down to that. It's like, yeah, you can get in more detail. Like I make videos and I edit videos and I post pictures and I do this, but it's really always communicating with people. Yeah. And, and, but it's interesting because like, I haven't always had the best communication skills with people in my real life. And that's something I've had to work on. So it is weird to think about that I'm, it's easier for me to communicate with a screen and with people I don't know 
than mm-hmm. people I know and love. So I don't know why that is, but it just is. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The detail, like the interpersonal communication, like one-on-one maybe is more challenging for you. It sounds like. And yeah. I think it can be for anyone really, because it's, it's more intimate and this maybe is more, you know, like whoever's watching, they're not here type thing. What do you do public speaking on? Like what kind of events are, are your public speaking events? Um, they're pretty much all political oriented. So um, there's going to be a lot more for me towards the fall and the summer this year because it's obviously midterms. So oh, I'll just get invited to conventions and events. And um, I like doing live debates as well. Those are always super exhilarating. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think that that is the most rewarding thing for me because sometimes – when you're just doing videos or podcasts or talking to people on the internet, it's like, you don't want it to be this way, but you can sort of feel people just morphing into like screen names and numbers. And you forget that they're real people who are really digesting what you're saying, being affected or not being affected by it. And then when you go and you, you go in person and you meet the people who follow you or support you or love you. And it's like, and you probably know this cause you make clothing. It's like, you see them wearing my merch and you see them wearing stuff I've created. And it's like, Oh my God, that's it's such a cool thing. You know, and um, I have like a very diverse audience in the sense of like, I have like little kids that watch me, which sometimes I'm like, why are you watching me if you're a little kid? Because I swear a lot and I talk about adult topics a lot, but there's a lot of that. So there'll be like kids with their parents that come and they're wearing my shirts and there'll be, you know, middle-aged men and women in their twenties. And it's, I think a lot of people maybe um, assume what my audience is like. Maybe they would assume like, They'd be like you, just like middle-aged white men who are more conservative. And it's so far from the truth. It's every type of person. So it's very rewarding, like seeing people in real life and interacting with them and, and, and seeing that like this thing that we do here is like impacting people. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Um, I've done a little bit of public speaking, but I had like, I was doing like a, I had a prompter, like I had a slideshow kind of thing going on, but it went really well. I, I I could find it exhilarating and never debated anyone. That would be. I mean, those are, those are, you know, the times that I've done that, those are always the most like intense, crazy ones. And I've kind of become known for doing those debates. I've did a thing for um, HBO. It was like a, a large LGBT panel and it was supposed to be like right wing LGBT people and left wing. And it was presented to me as like, it'll be even, it'll be like, you know, five right-wing LGBT people and five left-wing showed up and it was me and one other right-wing person. Oh, so okay. it was like us against like 10 people, which was, that's always how it goes, right? There's there's never, in at least in, in mainstreaming, there's never like equal mm-hmm. representation of people on both sides of the ideological spectrum, but um, they're really, really fun. And those are the most effective sort of ways to sort of build your own perspective and, and ideology and understand other people's too. Yeah, I could. Yeah, definitely. If you're not communicating and sharing ideas and getting alternative views or whatever, you're never going to test your own beliefs, you know, and and, and they should stand up to the test. You should test them and make sure that they're legit and not just blindly following some dude just because he's charismatic. Yeah, Um, I don't really watch right wing media. Honestly, I, I I I don't consume a lot of it because I feel like why do I want to sit here and just have things I 
probably already agree with just regurgitated back to me. I don't, I don't find value in that. So, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I find more value in watching like the view nice. than I would watching it like Tucker. I mean, Tucker's great. And, and I catch clips and stuff like that, but I find myself watching like far leftist media so much more often because it strengthens my own positions. And, and it's like, I'm, even though I'm learning how stupid some people are, I'm learning something, you know? Yeah, instead of just being regurgitated your own kind yeah. of thoughts and feelings. But that is an interesting <clears throat> kind of subject, the subject of ideas. Because to me, like, it's not it's not your skin color or your sexual orientation or whatever. It's art, like it's your ideas about reality and fair and like truth and justice or whatever. And um so like the whole race thing, it just, it, it kind of bothers me because I don't care what your race is. I care what you think kind of type thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think that more than anything, race, gender, sexuality, all that stuff. Um, I think that it's a very, very, it's known to be a tool by the corporate media and by the government to divide people because if you think about it, it's like, if you really take a step back and if you were to just land on this planet for the first time and see the media in which people consume, it is so hate filled mm -hmm. and it's so divisive. And it's so, it's so very obviously unhealthy for us to be consuming and, and, and everyone falls victim to it. It's not just people on the left that, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's like they put out false narratives about race and then suddenly every study is on fire. So that's a very clear example of how they manipulate people. But of yes. course, even people like you and I fall into it. Of course, like if I'm consuming this stuff as well, sometimes I, f I find myself seeing someone as, oh, that's a different tribe than me. Not necessarily race, but just anything. It's, oh, this person's different than me. That person's my enemy. But you have to actively, or at least I feel, I actively try to combat those feelings because they're not productive. They're not healthy. And it makes me a better person. I, I I don't like to view people as, as my adversary, you know, I, I would rather view certain institutions as my adversary, like, like the CIA, like, like the corporate press, like, like the white house, that mm -hmm. is who I want to be sort of launching my grievances towards when in reality, mm -hmm. like, it's like, I could view this, like, you know, average nine to fiber who is a hardcore leftist as my adversary, but what is that really doing? What is going to war with that person really doing? Uh, it's, not helping we need to find understanding we need to communicate with each other and like keep talking and the whole like trying to cancel people is a one well is it one-sided for the most part at this point it seems to be relatively one-sided yeah i think but, the right tries to every once in a while give the left like a taste of their own medicine but never really goes over in the way that they want it to um and i, I get conflicted with that like should the right be playing fire with fire because they're losing in right. a lot of ways or should they not? And it, it's this battle between do we take the high road or do we launch back until things kind of even out? So even I don't really know what the right thing to do there is. All I know is that, um, you know, cancel culture is, is a very sort of historically noted tool of communism as well. And um, that's where a lot of people want the country to head. So, yeah. Well, uh, gotta keep keep talking, keep fighting the good fight. Hopefully, people kind of come to their senses over time through this abuse of power. I guess, yeah. Uh, even though some people are kind of like in line with it and cheering it on, which is 
disturbing. But, because they never think it'll affect them, right? Yeah. You can you can sit there and you can and you can prey on the downfall of others and you can revel in, oh yeah, Joe Rogan's getting hate and and Joe Rogan's, you know, losing, you know, opportunities or whatever. But it's like imagine being that person who really wants to see other people be exiled or 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 forced out of like the public square. It's like that to me is so ugly. Yeah. And the idea that it's only ever going to affect one side. I think it's going to hit a lot of people like a ton of bricks when the pendulum eventually does swing because the pendulum does always swing the other way and they're not really going to like it when, when things go the opposite. A hundred percent. Yeah. You got to, you know, we I just have to stay grounded. I like meditate and um, that's main, like my main source of therapy. Do you, how do you stay so positive? You seem pretty positive. I am a very positive person. Um, and it's crazy because I, I talk about so much dark stuff online. Like I'm, I'm known for making videos kind of exposing like sexual predators and, and obviously these political topics have a dark side to them, but I'm a very positive person. And I think that what I do to stay grounded is because I am someone who's very public and, and my sort of the public version of me is being on a second to second basis consumed by people all over the world. I have to really create strong bonds with people in real life. So mm -hmm. the way I stay sort of separated from that and letting that be my entire life is it's very important for me to have friends that I just, you know, have very real deep connections with like yesterday I hung out all day with Michael Malice, like nice. just all day. It was like a 12 hour thing. Um, and that to me, like, that is sort of what I do. I like shopping. I like going to the gym. That's a really big thing for me. Um, Did I you guys get ice cream? Of course. <laughs> of course. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't eat ice cream for, I think, years before I became Michael Malice's friend. And now I eat it every single time we hang out, which is at least a few times a week. So I'm gaining weight. <laughs> but it's fine. Um. I think it's Dude. fine to be a little heavier in Texas than in California where the beauty standards like being super, super thin. So I'm like, okay, I'm in Texas. I can have five extra pounds on me, whatever. Hell yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you loving that? Cause I'm from Texas. I lived in San Antonio and I, I like, I was either going to move to Austin cause San Antonio was just not doing it for me or I came and I ultimately came back to Colorado, which I do love, but uh, mm -hmm. Austin so crowded though to me. But anyways, do you, are you loving it or what, how, what are you thinking? You know, for me, it's not crowded, but that's because I'm from LA. So, yeah. you know, there was a few things people told me before I moved to Austin and those things were the homeless are out of control. The traffic's terrible, just like LA and it's too overcrowded. And then I come here and from my perspective, I'm like, where are all the people? Where's all the traffic? Where's all the homeless? It's like nothing compared to LA. So um, it's heaven for me. You know, I know that it's a city that's rapidly changing just because of all the people moving here, me being one of them. Um, but as long as it remains sort of at least relatively what it's like now, I don't see myself leaving here. I really love it. And, you know, I've lived in California my entire life. So moving here was a huge adjustment. And for the first month or so, I actually didn't like it here just because mm -hmm. it was so foreign. Um, but now that I'm past that sort of like initial adjustment period, yeah. I love it. It's an amazing place. I love the city. Everyone's so nice here. Um, there's so many cool people that live here. It's I like, know. 
It's like yeah. a mecca for like, it's like Hollywood moved to Austin, but don't, maybe only the cool people or whatever. It's like counterculture Hollywood in a way. That's Did what you, it feels like. Do you go to like cool parties where like everyone's there? What's cool is like, I throw the cool parties here. Nice. So like I had Thanksgiving here and like Michael was here. Uh, Lex Friedman was here. Um, yeah. And like, I just find myself constantly in these like crazy situations with these really awesome people. It's like all of a sudden I'll get a call like, Hey, come to the Infowars studio because Tim Pool has an RV parked outside and Joe Rogan's going to be there. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. So then all of a sudden I'm doing that. And then, you know, and then I met Joe through there. So then Joe's like, come on my show in a few weeks. I'm like, okay. Um, so it's a cool place to be. It's, it's, it's a place that I think in many ways is like shaping the sort of like counterculture culture that's happening right now. Yeah. And it's really cool to sort of just be at the genesis of it. Cause I think it's just starting. We're just kind of take, steering the ship back. You know what I mean? And for so much of it to be happening here, I think is just so cool. And I feel very honored to be somewhat a part of it, you know? Love it. I yeah. love that you're part of this like group you're part of the gang yeah and uh i feel like i'm like i'm way over here i'm not i'm not in it but we're kind of like a microcosm of supporting it you know like a lot of the people we work with are in that group and i want to you know i i i'm i feel honored to have this conversation with you and malice and 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 just being able to you know and it takes a lot for I'm sure you as a business owner to even be perceived as taking like a political side or, or having, you know, opinions beyond selling underwear. I'm sure that that's not something that's easy. It it comes up in our, some of our internal meetings where it's like, cause I, I own it, but some of my employees are on the other side of the political spectrum and, but mm-hmm. they they're, they're they give me a little bit of leeway because they know I'm a, a good dude and, and I'm not, you know, I'm all, it's all love, baby. We're all, all about love. So, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't push, I don't push it too hard because it, it, the reality is I do, we do just sell underwear and we should probably keep to that. But I love, I'm entertained by the political, you know, commentary that you and the like espouse. And so it's, I know a lot of people are also entertained and informed by it. So it's like a combination. And so in that, that's where we want to spend our money to generate yeah. revenue for, from, you know, customers. Those are the customers kind of we're looking for. We'll take all your money though. Whoever yeah. you are. <laughs> Any type of customer, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that like, you know, I think is super admirable. And I think you do it in a way that you don't do it in an intense way. It's just, you're sort of like, in the sphere of things, but like not. And I think that's the exact way to do it. It's like, you're not, from what I've seen on like you guys' social media, it's not like you're making political statements or anything like that. I think that, you know, you just sort of are in the general alignment of all that. And it just makes sense. It fits and it it does, it's what we want, you know, I'm following kind of my interests and and, and that's, it seems to be working. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what we're doing and it's working. So we're going to keep doing that and hopefully keep growing and grow along as you grow. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Absolute pleasure. 
perfect podcast. It was the Yay. perfect podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it'll, they it, come out on Mondays. So if you're watching this, it's Monday night or Tuesday morning. Thank you for coming on and, and watching another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. We'll be back next week. Thank you, Blair. Yes. We'll see Thank you soon. You and Blair. any last, you know, you know, plug yourself and, and what you're what you're up to coming up here soon. Yeah, anyone watching can just search um, Blair White on any platform and, and I'll come up. There you go. Check her out. She's doing the damn thing and uh, and we are trying to do it over here. Have yourself a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Peace.